0: Coming up on Weed Talk News this week, the nation's mayors want weed legal now. Sports figures and rappers are asking the president to do the same. Now, there are reports that the Biden administration might actually do something symbolic on cannabis reform, but how soon? Plus, Weedmaps acquires a CRM and marketing platform called Sprout as they continue to expand their business footprint. Plus, Nican returns to Boston as the face-to-face cannabis trade show is back after the pandemic break. Had enough? No. Okay, we visit a state-of-the-art adult-use dispensary in the Bay State as we go inside Insa in Springfield on We Talk News next. PCM-TV is supported by Salient Systems, a world leader in video management security. And by Revolutionary Clinics, a medical dispensary where the patient comes first. And by Accounting Buds, your number one CPA specialist for the cannabis industry.
1: We are Pro Cannabis Media.
0: Hi everyone, welcome to We Talk News for this week. I'm Jimmy Young from Pro Cannabis Media. We continue to ask you to share your cannabis story with us. You could win a t-shirt or a great cannabis storage device. So go online to our website, procannabismedia.com and enter. All you have to do is come out of the cannabis closet and you could win with your story with an I.com. First up on We Talk News this week, an update on federal cannabis reform. That's where you'll find mounting pressure on President Joe Biden to just do something about it. You might remember in July, it was the U.S. Senate leadership that started the public discussion, and now the nation's mayors and pop culture icons are calling on the president to legalize cannabis, expunge the records of nonviolent cannabis criminals, and even at the meeting of the nation's mayors, that association voted to remove cannabis from the Controlled Substances Act End cannabis possession crimes and expunge past cannabis convictions and also restore all voting rights for former prisoners. Now, on Green Rush Live on Friday the 10th, we talked with Michael Correa, the NCIA's Director of Government Relations, about the next steps.
2: Uh, I'm not feeling confident, but, um, you know, when I think we, we did a phone call probably eight months ago or we did one of these shows like eight months ago, and I said... I'm more optimistic now than I've been in eight years, but it doesn't mean I think legalization or some type of reform is going to happen. Right. And I'll be honest with you, watching that, and we call it KOA, other people call it CAO Act. So, I mean, call it chaos, call it whatever you want. We call it KOA, so I'll use that acronym. Okay. During this whole process, it is a little eye-opening to how such a big heavy lift this is going to be and how many stakeholder groups are going to have to uh be part of this and i've been in dc 25 years for something really big like this historic to happen you need stakeholder groups you you need a lot of momentum the public behind and a lot of support the public is supportive of this but are they protesting on the streets are they calling members of congress to say do this now or else not really Um, And that's one big issue. The second issue, the White House is not signaling to Capitol Hill, get this done and get this done soon. uh, Quite the contrary. They almost were like, hey, slow down. We don't want something like this. This is what we're thinking. So to me, I'm not being pessimistic. The conditions aren't ripe right now for something good, but the discussion is being had. You have the highest ranking Senate uh, uh, leader who is pushing his bill, who's having a discussion. And that in itself is important. So to me, like the next big thing will be when this bill drops, whenever that is, how many co-sponsors are on it? And then what type of, what type of traction is this getting with advocates, with industry? What's the buzz around something like this? And if it's a non-starter and it's DOA and no one's talking about it, then we're gonna have to pivot and move on to something else and then see where we go. Whether that's incremental, whether that's the MORE Act, whether that's something else. Um, But that's sort of where I'm at now. I just honestly, I don't want to wait six months for that to happen. I would like it sooner rather than later, like in the next two months or something. So then you can have a strategy going into 2022.
0: On this week's Green Rush Live show on PCM-TV 24-7, our live streaming channel, we will talk with Jarrett Christopher, the CEO of Sprout, who was just acquired by Weed Maps, one of the nation's largest cannabis companies. Merger and acquisitions continue in the cannabis space. Here's Deborah Borchardt from the Green Market Report. Deborah?
3: I'm Deborah Borchardt, and this is the Business Update for Weed Talk News from the Green Market Report. This week, the FDA issued a warning about Delta-8. As you know, this is a gray area in the cannabis industry, many claiming Delta-8 is legal, while others saying it is not. The FDA's opinion though on anything cannabis related is received with a healthy dose of skepticism because they still haven't made a determination on CBD. Anyway, the notice described 22 hospitalizations from Delta-8 side effects, while the Poison Control Center reported over 600 cases. Now, in a sign of how difficult it is to be a CBD-only company, this week, Plus Products filed for the Canadian version of bankruptcy. Now, according to the Plus filing, it has secured court protection from its creditors in order to restructure its business and financial affairs, and Plus Products also canceled its annual general meeting that was previously scheduled for September 14th. Finally, Acreage Holdings sold its four Oregon dispensaries to Chalice Brands in a deal valued at $6.5 million. Acreage's four Oregon retail dispensaries are branded as cannabis, and the sale will end the company's presence in the state. Or, uh, Acreage said in a statement that the Oregon stores were negatively affecting the company's bottom line, while Chalice says it thinks it can turn these stores around. I'm Deborah Borchardt, and this has been your business update from the Green Marker Report for We Talk News.
0: Since July 1, New Jersey has expunged over 360,000 cannabis cases, according to NJ.com. In Illinois, the number of expunged cannabis crimes is 500,000, and in California, it's 200,000 cases expunged or dismissed. In Minnesota, medical dispensaries are now teaming up with volunteer attorneys to clear the records of nonviolent cannabis criminals in that state. In Michigan, of course, it's all normal. In fact, it's normal, normal. And their executive director is our own Rick Thompson. Here's his weekly Michigan Cannabis Report. Rick?
4: This is the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson for Weed Talk News. Let's begin. Hundreds of cannabis rights supporters gathered at the Capitol Building in Lansing Wednesday, September 15th, Advocates rose in protest over the introduction of a trio of bills which proposed changes to Michigan's patient and caregiver laws. The changes would disadvantage the state's 12-year-old patient and caregiver system by cutting 80% of the number of patients a caregiver can grow for. The proposal also gives law enforcement access to the addresses of caregivers in their municipality, which is information that's been protected since 2008, by a privacy and confidentiality clause. The bills would also eliminate the use of flammable solvents in the creation of concentrated marijuana products. Advocates were joined by Michigan House Rep Cynthia Johnson, and an appearance was made by the state's youngest cannabis patient. For the first time ever, there was open smoking on the grounds of the Capitol building under the watchful eye of the Michigan State Police. The four-hour event featured music and speakers and information tables from caregiver and consumer advocacy groups like Normal and Americans for Safe Access. A new piece of public relations masquerading as science has made an appearance. The Michigan Cannabis Manufacturers Association, the same people who pushed the legislature to introduce the three bills I just discussed, has released a survey which finds the majority of Michigan residents wants cannabis for human consumption tested. The poll seems to put pressure on the Marijuana Regulatory Agency to initiate rules forcing 30,000 caregivers to submit their cannabis to the 13 testing labs in Michigan which are licensed to accept cannabis. The release of this poll, just 24 hours after the introduction of bills asking for tighter restrictions on caregivers, is purely political and detracts from the credibility of the study, the companies which conducted them, and the trade association which structure the questions in such a biased manner. Michigan is a combat zone once again, 12 years after medical marijuana became law, and neither side is backing down. And that's it for the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson for Weed Talk News.
0: The World Anti-Doping Agency called WADA in the sports world has appointed a scientific research review to consider removing cannabis as a banned substance. WADA did say cannabis will remain on the list of prohibited substances that is released on October 1st, but this review will be due Next year. Now, you might remember that U.S. Olympic sprinter Shikari Richardson was suspended from the Olympics this year after testing positive for THC. Now it's time for the Vermont Report with our own green nurse from Vermont, Jesse Lynn Dolan. Jesse Lynn?
5: Thanks, Jimmy. I'm Jesse Lynn Dolan from Nurse Grown Organics and Vermont Cannabis Nurses, and this is the We Talk News Vermont Report. The Burn Gallery's 15th annual Pipe Classic is firing up. Spanning an entire week from September 20th to 25th, the event consists of dozens of contests, gatherings, and parties, all centered around a fierce virtual competition between some of the world's finest glassblowers. To cast your official vote on the best glass and get more info, visit burngallery.com. Friday, September 17th, the Starksboro Hemp Farm V Terra is holding a barbecue and fundraiser for the GCS project, which provides help and hope for women with gynecological carcinosarcoma tumors. The ticket price includes farm fresh food prepared by chef Phil Clayton and music of Mal Mays and his seven piece Latin band with Daniel Gaviria opening with classical Colombian guitar. Hosted by Vermontuana Saturday, September 18th is the third annual Green Finders Invitational Golf Tournament with putting, long drive, and joint rolling competitions. Fox Holler Farms in Plainfield, Vermont is hosting a Bud and Brunch on September 25th. Tickets are $10 and include free brunch with beverages available for purchase, along with live music, local food, and featured Vermont cannabis exhibitors. Learn more at vermontawana.com. That's the Vermont Report for Weed Talk News. I'm Vermont's cannabis nurse, Jessie Lynn Dolan.
0: In Massachusetts this past week, the New England Cannabis Convention returned to Boston's Heinz Auditorium with hundreds of exhibitors, industry workshops, and community awards and awards for Best Cannabis Business, Best Products, and Best Strains. This was the sixth annual NECAN in Boston, with their next show scheduled for New Jersey the first weekend in October. For many, it was the first face-to-face cannabis show that they've ever attended, and their response was overwhelmingly positive.
3: Um, this has probably been the best weekend I've had in the past two years. In all honesty, it was definitely needed to get face-to-face and reconnect with people and just be present and, and exposed to the cannabis culture again because it's just such a beautiful community.
6: It's key. I mean, being, you know, having that personal touch is, is what makes a lot of our businesses grow. And, you know, it's so nice seeing the events that are, that are coming back. You know, just myself, just this week, you know, we've been here since Friday. We probably had 150 people, 200 people stop in asking about the product. So, I mean, and everybody said, you know, we always ask them, hey, what do you think about having an in-person show again? They're like, we love it. We are so glad it's back. So, obviously, we all got to take precautions. But at the end of the day, it's been great. And, you know, it's, this is uh, hopefully one of many shows here the rest of this year. We got Nikan, New Jersey. Shout out to them. And then we got some shows in New York, so make sure I see all of you guys there. This is actually our first conference we've been to anywhere. Uh, I've walked around it some, never had a booth. I exceeded my expectations by far. I got a lot of good quality leads. I, I was kind of thinking this would just be a practice conference for me, to be honest with you, because I've never done this before. And I was shocked at the, the leads I got. And some of them are you know, big money, potentially ones. So I was, I'm very happy with how this turned out.
0: Weed Maps is one of the largest cannabis companies in the world valued at over $3.5 billion. They went public this year and now they're starting to merge and acquire other companies. One of their acquisitions this week is with a customer relations management and marketing software company that specifically caters to the cannabis industry. That company is called Sprout. The CEO of this Massachusetts-based company is Jared Christopher, and he'll be joining us live at 4 p.m. for the start of the Green Rush Live, our weekly talk show focused on the business of cannabis on Friday. Weedmap CEO Chris Beals is bullish on this acquisition and said, quote, With the addition of Sprout, we are one step closer to realizing this vision of providing an all-in-one seamless and integrated solution to run, manage, and grow one's cannabis business, unquote. One more item in the Bay State that deems mentioning is one of the first adult-use dispensaries that is definitely worth a trip to Springfield a destination dispensary, if you will. It's called INSA, and we visited their East Hampson facility this week, as well as their Springfield facility, which is right down the road from the Basketball Hall of Fame. What a beautiful facility. How much fun is it for you to come to work every day at a cannabis dispensary? Uh, It's amazing. Every day is a blast. My associates, they all love it. Uh, We have a great team. We have over 50 associates here, uh, which is great for Springfield. But it's it's an absolute blast to come here and walk into this beautiful facility every single day. We have a whole bunch more content from our visit to INSA in both East Hampton and in Springfield, and a profile of Julian Rose, the Director of Research and Development, which is a fancy name for edible creator. That will be coming sometime soon on PCM TV. News from D.C. is focused not on the legalization effort, but rather warnings from the FDA and the CDC about the dangers of products using Delta-8 THC. Now, this is the form of THC that is not derived from the plant, but operates in a gray area because it is created in a lab using legal hemp now you can find delta 8 oils and other products in non-legal cannabis states and even in some legal states have even banned its sale and its use it's the variance of effects from delta 8 that have most government officials concerned for the rest of the news from our nation's capital here's vote pro podcast Phil Adams with our DC report Phil
7: congressional committee has decided that students with felony drug convictions can be eligible to claim a valuable tax credit. The House Ways and Means Committee agreed to drop the aid elimination penalty, which prevents students convicted of felony drug offenses from receiving the American Opportunity Tax Credit. The penalty was imposed in 1998 as part of the reauthorization of the Higher Education Act. The AOTC allows for a $2,500 annual tax credit for certain education expenses incurred during the first four years of college. The measure to lift the ban was included in the budget reconciliation bill approved this week. The National Defense Authorization Act could be the latest vehicle for passing cannabis banking reform. Lawmakers in the House have introduced a number of drug policy-related amendments to the NDAA, including a measure to prevent federal regulators from penalizing financial institutions for serving state legal cannabis businesses. That amendment was introduced by Representative Ed Perlmutter of Colorado. Perlmutter also sponsored the standalone Safe Banking Act, versions of which have passed the House on four separate occasions. His latest amendment is virtually virtually identical to those previous bills. Two federal agencies have issued warnings to cannabis consumers about the risks associated with Delta-8-THC. Both the Food and Drug Administration and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention have said they have seen a significant increase in reports of adverse health effects from people who are using the synthetic cannabinoid. Unlike naturally occurring Delta-9 THC, there are generally no laws governing the use or sale of Delta-8 products, which have become widely available both in states that have legalized and those that have not. The FDA in particular says they've received numerous reports of people experiencing symptoms such as vomiting, hallucinations, trouble standing, and loss of consciousness after using Delta-8 products. The agency advises that Delta-8 THC has not been evaluated as safe or approved for use in any context. That's the latest cannabis news from our nation's capital. I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast.
0: There's a new study in the Journal of the American Medical Association about teen use of cannabis in legal states. It supports past results of other studies that show in legal states over the past 28 years teen use of cannabis has decreased by seven or eight percent depending on the frequency of use. Now this totally refutes any argument for prohibitionists who continue to use the old what about the kids question and argument when they're blocking the implementation of cannabis reform. In New Jersey, the new state's Regulatory Cannabis Commission met to approve the transfer of an existing medical marijuana license. However, the process of any new licenses being issued or expanding the number of medical dispensaries continues to be stalled in that state. Patients, Garden State cannabis enthusiasts. It will happen it could be worse you could be actually issuing licenses and then holding them for months like the state of illinois that's what they're doing with their social equity applicants and with the latest on the illinois cannabis market here's margot Viselli. margot
8: margot vaselli from margawana with this week's we talk news report from illinois since last month's winners were announced illinois winners should be celebrating license wins but instead new license holders are stuck awaiting for judges orders. Out of the 184 dispensary licenses awarded, none of them have broke ground since they're still awaiting to hear back from the state if their licenses are in fact theirs to keep. The Craft Grow licensors are facing hard hits themselves. From competing with Amazon for construction supplies, to securing real estate in cannabis-friendly neighborhoods, to understanding distribution and sales practices of incumbent retailers, the fortunate few planting seeds for Illinois cannabis expansion are hitting walls in every direction. That's the Illinois Report. I'm Margo Vicelli with this week's Weed Talk News.
0: The big news out of California this week is that their governor, Gavin Newsom, will remain in office. But is that a good thing for the cannabis industry? Here's the California Report with Christopher Smith from the American Cannabis Report. Christopher.
1: I'm Christopher Smith, publisher of the American Cannabis Report, bringing you the California Roundup for Weed Talk News. California Governor Gavin Newsom sweeps the floor, wins the recall election by 28 points. California's cannabis industry remained largely neutral in the election. We're not happy with many of the regulatory problems. And the governor hails from the wine industry so he can be kind of a lukewarm ally. My biggest concern, his political instinct seems to be more stick and less carrot. And that strategy is doomed to fail in California cannabis. It may sound counterintuitive, but to truly grow our industry, Governor Newsom needs to lower taxes, lower the barriers to entry, especially for BIPOC people. And leave the stick, take the carrot. The famed Emerald Triangle in Northern California is suffering from drought, wildfires, and now racism. A federal judge has ruled that Siskiyou County officials cannot stop water trucks from delivering water to Hmong farmers, even though they might be growing cannabis illegally. The practice, which doesn't seem to happen to white farmers, leaves Hmong growers and their families without a source of water for drinking, bathing, and even growing food. It's pure racial discrimination. It's deeply embarrassing. If you're Cheech and Chong, would you call your cannabis company Eighth Icon Holdings? Well, surely not for long. The cannabis company the, the comedy team has officially changed the name to Cheech and Chong's Cannabis Company, duh effectively immediately. Products include Tommy Chong's Cannabis and Cheech's Stash, and my favorite, Cheech and Chong's Dispensoria, for retail opening soon in San Francisco and LA. And speaking of LA, if you're downtown and you catch a whiff of a very interesting pizza, you might have found cannabis chef Kashka Hopkinson. His shop is called Stony Slice, which serves classic pizza with a special, topsi- a special topping of God's, God's favorite plant. The shop exists in the let's call it undefined world where cannabis and food are just starting to dance. Not ready for a storefront, not legal for dispensaries, I know where I'll be this weekend. And I'm Christopher Smith from the American Cannabis Report, reporting for Weed Talk News.
0: And finally, congratulations to our friends at the Cleveland School of Cannabis. They are collaborating with Al Harrington of Viola Brands to create the Harrington Institute, a school for cannabis education. There will be scholarships available for students who have been most impacted by the failed war on drugs. And you can find out more about this at the website of the Cleveland School of Cannabis. Now there's another initiative in the state of Ohio that will help formerly incarcerated people for cannabis crimes get jobs. Riviera Creek and advocacy group United Returning Citizens are partnering to create a program to help ex-cons learn how to grow cannabis and become eligible for employment in the industry. This is exactly the type of private enterprise that is needed if the legalization movement will continue. More and more sentences for nonviolent cannabis crimes are being expunged and hundreds of thousands of people are leaving our nation's jails. They all need opportunities and training to become contributing members of society as employees for this growing industry. It's all about rehab, training and education. Well, that will do it for this week's Weed Talk News. I'm Jimmy Young from Pro Cannabis Media. Remember, it's a whole new world of weed out there. Use it responsibly.